Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. John's Gospel, if you would please. John's Gospel, chapter 14 and verse 12. We're teaching on the lines of successful prayer in our Wednesday night services. And so get the word out, let other people know what we're talking about because I believe it's important that people learn how to pray and become successful in prayer. John's Gospel, chapter 14. We're going to look at verse 12 in just a moment, but first I want to say to you that the disciples of our Lord were absolutely amazed when they observed and watched Jesus at work in the earth ministering life to people that were brokenhearted and that were hurting. They watched Him as He healed the sick. They watched Him as He raised the dead. They watched Him as He cleansed the lepers. They watched Him as He multiplied the loaves and the fishes. They watched Him closely as He tamed the winds and the waves of the sea. And they were absolutely astonished as they watched this man do what no man had ever done before. At first, they were mystified. And then I'm sure they began to wonder in their minds, how is this accomplished? We've never seen it on this fashion before. How can anyone speak to the waves of the sea and the wind that blows and they obey? And so they marveled. And they questioned. I'm sure they talked among themselves. What manner of man is this? What manner of man is this? Well, as they continued their observation and as they continued watching him, gradually they learned the secret to his success. They found out that the secret to his success was his prayer life. He knew how to touch the very heavens and release the very power of God upon broken-hearted humanity. And everywhere He went, signs, wonders, and miracles took place. They were so intrigued by what they saw, they got to the place where they finally said, Lord, teach us to pray. And of course, you know, Jesus accommodated them. He wasn't selfish. He wasn't here to monopolize the power of God. Think about it. Man very often wants to keep what he has to himself, but not Jesus Jesus came to teach others so that they too could have the power that He had and so that they too could do the things that He did. He didn't, came to, he didn't come to hide it. He came to reveal it. 
He came to show it. He came to teach it. And I'm glad he did. What about you? And to show that to you, we look at this verse here in John chapter uh, 14 and verse 12. Verily, verily, and wherever you see a double verily, you've heard me say it oftentimes and time and time again, know that what he is saying is of extreme importance. A double verily means, I swear to tell you the truth and nothing but the truth, so help me. He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. It wasn't enough for Jesus to get people to do what he did. He wanted them to do even greater than what he did. Well, that's going another step, wouldn't you say? He didn't want to give us the knowledge to do what he did. He wanted to give us the knowledge to do what he did plus. He wasn't selfish, was he? And so he accommodated them and taught them how to pray. Now, I want us to go to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, and this is our main text. Because in these particular verses, Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, honoring their request. Show us how to pray. Teach us how to tap the resources of heaven. Show us how to remove mountains. Show us how to heal the sick and raise the dead and cast out devils. Teach us to do the things that you did. To release the ability of God upon the earth for the benefit of mankind. Show us the way we can do the same things. Now, beloved, if we couldn't do that, if God didn't want us to do that, Jesus would not have taught us how. He would not have taught his disciples how. But he did. And he taught them how and told them, now you disciple all nations. You make students of all nations. Teach people to observe and do whatever I have taught you to observe and do. Isn't that what he he told them to do? Absolutely. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, the very first thing that Jesus said in his teaching to his disciples about prayer, we talked about last week, I won't take time to get into it deeply, but I will reiterate the point so as to keep us caught up. In verse 6, But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Open rewards are the results of private prayers. Signs, wonders, miracles, and demonstrations that are outward are the direct results of private, secret prayer between an individual and God. And the first step that Jesus said that anyone can make toward having a successful prayer life is what? Find a secret place. Find a place where you can be alone with God and where you can practice the presence of God. He knew that recognizing the presence of God would make prayer and faith easier. And so that's the first thing he said. And how many of you know that that wasn't just a suggestion? That was a revelation. 
If you want to be powerful in prayer, that's the first step you have to take. And beloved, I want you to know that Jesus meant daily. Jesus said, practice the presence of God daily. Make it a habit of getting into His presence alone with Him so that you can recognize His presence, so that you can realize His presence. And in that place of His presence, you'll gain confidence in your soul. Something will come on you that comes out of God that will put assurance in your heart and stability in your walk with Him that will give you greater confidence to pray in His presence, petitioning Him or standing against the forces of darkness that are in the world. And so, that's step number one. And if we don't take that step, beloved, can you see how the rest of it's not going to be as effective? And that brings us to point number two, or step number two. Go on down to verse 9. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Stop right there. This particular prayer that some pray as a prayer in itself is a revelation given to us of the principles of prayer and not just a prayer to be prayed by itself. We're not to repeat the prayer over and over and over again thinking that there is some magical power behind its content that's going to explode in our lives the power of God. He's revealing principles and truths that will enable individuals to become successful in the art of prayer so that they too can do the works of Jesus and walk with God as He walked in the earth. And in that particular verse, as well as the end of verse 13, look at the end of verse 13. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. That particular verse and the end of verse 13 reveals to us that prayer that reaches God both begins and ends with worship and praise. So step number one is to practice the presence of God. Just sitting in His presence, just getting in a quiet place and recognizing that in that place you are not alone. God Almighty is with you. And we've got to take time to get quiet and do that, beloved. Because it's in that place that God deals with our hearts. He reveals Himself. It's in that place that we gain confidence knowing that we are walking indeed with God and He is walking indeed with us. And then secondly, we recognize there is a need on our part to do what? To worship God. To glorify His holy name, as Jesus said right here. In verse 9, pray after this manner, Our Father which art in heaven. Beloved, I believe we serve a good God. I believe we serve a God whose goodness and whose mercy is over all of the works of His hands, don't you? Well, the Scriptures teach us that. That He loves everything He has created. He has seen all the works of His hands, all of His abilities, bringing forth 
everything that is good that we know of. And that includes man who was created in God's own image and likeness. And I believe, beloved, as a part of His creation, we, as the created, owe Him His due worship and praise. And that is not a suggestion. That is a fact. Everything the Bible said was made for His pleasure. Everything for His pleasure was created. The sun, the moon, and the stars praise Him by functioning in the universe as He has so ordained that they do. All other created things and beings give Him His due praise by continuing to function according to His spoken word over their existence. Man alone, I do believe, was created with a will to decide whether or not he would give God back his praise, do his name, or would not. And Jesus is telling us, if you really want to know God, if you really want to be acquainted with God, if you want to be aware of His presence, if you want to be successful in walking with Him and carrying out His, His, His desired will for humanity, then you've got to get to know Him and you get to know Him by ushering yourself into His presence and first and foremost being one who is dedicated to and committed to the all-important ministry of giving back to God the glory that is due His name. And again, it's not a suggestion. These are not suggestions. This is our Lord and Master teaching us the principles of prayer. How to be successful in doing what He did. And beloved, in doing so, we've got to follow the rules. Wouldn't you say? Now remember, this is Jesus teaching this. This is not man. This is Jesus teaching the principles to successful, successful prayer. Well, beloved, uh, put your... Well, you can turn to Hebrews chapter 13 if you would please with me because I believe this is a truth I want to bring out at this point with regard to becoming one who gives the glory and honor due His name. That you become one who worships the Father by sacrificing the sacrifice of praise and that is the fruit of your lips constantly and habitually giving thanks into His holy name. Jesus said, when you get alone with God, see to it that as His created being, you give glory to His holy name. Hebrews thirteen fifteen says, By Him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God. How often? Everybody say continually. How often? continually, habitually, daily, every single day, see to it that you offer the sacrifice. Why is it a sacrifice? Because it's not an easy thing to do. Because it does not fit in your schedule. You must fit it in your schedule. You know, I did a little test last Sunday and I asked people that were in this facility, I said, how many of you paid tithes before you got saved? Raise your hand. Not one hand went up. Why not? Because when you get saved, you change. 
When you get saved, you start adjusting your life to God, not God's life to yours. So, beloved, before you got saved, you were not in the habit of going about praising and worshiping God. I recall the first time I put on the television set and saw something, saw something on TV called Praise the Lord Club. Praise, PTL, praise the Lord. And of course, it would be at a time that when they were petitioning for money. I thought, my, 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 what people won't do. Turn that thing off quicker than you can bat an eyelash. But you know, after I got saved, once I got washed in the blood of Jesus Christ and got a brand new life, I wanted to praise the Lord. I looked for that station. I looked for those people. What a difference it made in my life. We adjust our lives. You see, it's a sacrifice because it's not something that you normally do. You've got to make a sacrifice to do it. But you talk about something worthy of being done. Say it with me. He made me for His pleasure. I've been created. It's my responsibility to give pleasure to God. I do that through worship and praise. Every man owes his Creator true, heartfelt worship and praise that is due His name. It's not a suggestion. It's a fact. It's a revelation. It's Jesus telling us, you want to walk with God? Then listen to me. If I can just, you know, speak for Him right now. He is saying, if you want to walk with the Father as I walk with the Father, then get alone with Him. Thank God for corporate prayer. Thank God for corporate meetings. But find yourself a prayer closet. Find yourself a secluded place. Be it in the woods somewhere, in your backyard somewhere, wherever it may be. But get alone with God and say, God, I am here to know You. I'm here to recognize Your presence, to acknowledge Your existence in my life. And I want to know You better. I want to know You well. So I've come to exalt Your name. Hallowed be Thy name. You are Jehovah God, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Shammah. Hallowed be Your name. You can expand your knowledge of of His name by knowing the different names of God. Hallowed be Your name, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Shammah, Jehovah Nissi, Jehovah Ruah, El Shaddai, and it goes on and on and on. The names of God. But the point is, you are glorifying His name and you are giving to Him the glory due His name, which is your responsibility and my responsibility. Why? He's the Creator. I'm the created. I owe it to Him. Amen. John's Gospel, if you would please, chapter 4. See, I owe it to Him and so do you. And what does that tell us? Prayer is more than just joining forces together with God to accomplish His His purposes in the earth. It's more than that. Prayer is more than going to God in times of need or emergencies and petitioning Him to release His power because I have got an emergency. Say either, oh my, or oh me, or all, amen. (laughs) It's more than that. Prayer is more than, I'm in trouble, God, and if you was in trouble like I'm in trouble, I'd help you. Right? But if you think about it, that is the extent of most people's prayer lives. They're backed against the wall, and so now, I better reach out to God. That's not what prayer is all about. That's not what Jesus was teaching them about prayer. 
that will be a result of learning how to pray. But learning how to pray involves something more than that. It's something that we develop into our lives habitually and continually because we're now aware of the fact that as a part of His creation, I owe it to Him to give Him glory and praise in true worship every single day of my life. And you see, if I don't do that, beloved, then there is something wrong with my understanding of who I am in the earth. You see, petitioning God in times of trouble may be a part of prayer, but it's not the whole of prayer. Because when I petition God in my times of trouble, who benefits from the answer to the prayer? I do. You see, many men of faith have done great exploits. You think about when the sun and the moon was stopped and reversed in response to prayer. When the dead were raised in response to prayer. But all that was to benefit individuals here on planet Earth. Either to bring them back to life or to help them win a battle or to assure someone that God loves him and will grant more years to his life. But beloved, where does God receive something in prayer? When is God the one who is being blessed in prayer? Have you ever thought about that? You see, he also likes to be blessed. Bless the Lord means I bless the Lord. Give glory to his name means I give glory. That means I can bless him. I can give him glory. Now, that's a hard thing to imagine, but I can give God glory. Doesn't he have enough? Well, he wants me to give him glory, doesn't he? He wants you to give him glory, doesn't he? We can give Him glory. We can bless Him. See, prayer involves our glorifying Him also. And not just getting my need met. As a matter of fact, I'll say it like this. The more you glorify Him, the more you'll get your needs met. And you'll get so caught up in the glorifying of your God, you'll forget about your needs. Because the presence of your God will run over your needs like, like a bulldozer and meet them for you. In John's Gospel, chapter 4, and verse 24, Jesus said, God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Let's back up to verse 20, 21. I want to put this in context. Now back up to verse 19 to get it in context. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. 
But the hour cometh and now is. Who's the teacher? Jesus. The hour is come and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is a spirit and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Beloved, those who worship God in spirit and in truth are those God is looking for. And if you commit to doing so, that is to giving God the glory that is due His name, God is looking for you. And if you back this up and put it in its proper setting, prayer then becomes something more than just a religious ceremony. The Jews believed you've got to pray and worship in Jerusalem. The Samaritans believed you've got to pray and worship God on Mount Gerizim. And so there was a battle between the two. They had their ideas and they had theirs. And they couldn't see straight. They couldn't see eye to eye on any issue. And so she was shocked because Jesus talked to her but asked some questions and she wanted to get this thing settled. Why do you think she did? She wanted to be the one with the answer. The Jews are wrong and we're right. But Jesus said, look, prayer is not a matter of getting up on Mount Gerizim and worshiping God or in Jerusalem. The time has come that people must understand that God is everywhere. And because God is a spirit and He is everywhere, then man everywhere must learn to worship Him in spirit and in truth. Those are the kinds of people that God is looking for today. And she marveled at what He had said. She was astounded by what He had said. But, beloved, the point that He made should speak to our hearts. Because no matter where you're at, no matter who you are, you are under a divine mandate by God to worship Him as God from your heart where you live. Whether you're in church, whether you're driving in your car, whether you're in your house, it doesn't matter where you're at. You can set up a sanctuary anywhere if you so desire. And that's why oftentimes you'll hear me say, turn off your radio when you're in your car and you know what? Make it a sanctuary. It'll do your heart good. Also, I want you to look at Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4, not only is it true that God wants our attention, He wants our worship, He wants us to pray to Him, worshiping Him as God, magnifying Him, getting used to glorifying Him by giving Him the glory that is due His name, being consciously aware of the fact that every day of our lives, we must recognize Him as being the Creator. I am the created. And I owe Him my allegiance. I owe Him my worship. I owe Him my praise. Not just when I'm in trouble. But before trouble ever knocks at my door, I need to know Him in the secret chambers of prayer and worship. In Matthew chapter 4 and verse 9, this is speaking of Satan, and saith unto him, 
All these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. You know, Satan is also vying for your attention. Do you know he is also competing for you to honor him, to worship him with your life? How many of you know that's true? He pursued Jesus. He wanted Jesus to fall and worship Him. He wanted Jesus to bow and to worship Him. Do you know, consciously or unconsciously, throughout the course of every day, we bow ourselves to one or the other? I know it's getting hot in here. But it's true. Who do I give my attention to? Do I worship the living God or do I practice idol worship? Because throughout the course of a day, you are going to give attention to someone or something. And God is saying, you must reserve a part of your life to give attention to me, to acknowledge me, to be alone with me, and develop a rapport with me. Besides, you owe me worship and praise. Well, that puts it at a different level, doesn't it? Anybody here believe in paying your mortgage? Anybody believe in paying it on time? Right. Are you under an obligation to do so? Are you a person of integrity and do you carry out that action and do you pay your bills on time? Don't you have a good feeling about yourself when you do? Do you ever get, let's say from uh, maybe your mortgage company or whoever, maybe it's the light company or the gas company, whatever, sometimes they write on your little uh, statement there, we acknowledge that you are a fine-paying customer. compliment you for paying your bills on time. I, no, I've received those, and they said that on the, on the statement. And I thought, how nice. I mean, they don't have to do that, but how nice, because I owe it to them anyhow. How nice of them to acknowledge that I always pay my bills on time. I appreciate reading that. It does something to you. Hey, they acknowledge the fact that I pay my bills on time. That's wonderful. It makes you feel good about yourself. Do you know you owe God your worship? Do you know that I owe God praise? You know it's my responsibility to pay my vows and give to the Lord the glory that's due His name? And you see, when you acknowledge His presence and you recognize He's right there with you every day of your life, I'm going to tell you something. You won't walk away from your responsibility. It'll be an automatic flow into worship and praise because you know He's there. Just like when you've got that bill just sitting on the counter somewhere or in your bill a holder somewhere. Sometimes you'll walk by that and you look at it and you see it over there and it hits you. I've got to pay that bill. And maybe throughout the course of the day you're thinking about, I've got to pay that bill. I better get back and when I get home tonight or whenever, I'm going to write that check out. I'm going to pay that bill. I've got to pay that bill. And you're mindful of that throughout the course of the day because you don't want to be late. Am I correct? Well, why is it just because we can't see God, we think we don't owe Him anything? We do owe Him something. And if you think about it this way, before you start petitioning Him to bail you out of your emergency situation, why don't you just learn to know Him? Pay your bills. Pay your debts. Pay what you owe Him. You owe Him worship and praise. And if I do that, He's looking for people to do that sincerely from the heart. True worshipers in spirit and in truth. To give the glory due His name to Him. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. We owe that to Him. Because we are the created. He is the creator. 
Here Satan wanted Jesus to bow and worship him. But then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it's written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Beloved, this may be a hard statement to hear, but I'm just going to let you hear it. You know why? Because I heard it, and it was hard for me to hear. Sometimes God will say some things to you that are hard for you to hear, but you've got to hear what he's saying, swallow hard, shape up, adjust, and walk in the light of what he's saying. He said to me, if I ever revealed to my people how many ways they give more attention to idol worship than to worshiping me, they'd faint. Think about that. Really consider that in our day and age in which we live. How much attention is given to this? How much of our attention is given to that? How much of our attention is given to, let's say, entertainment? Television? Reading a newspaper? All the different things. Our attention to all the different things. And some of the things are definitely legitimate concerns. But let's be honest. Is anybody here honest tonight? Three. Let's be people of integrity. It's up to us to make time for God. Am I correct? And if it means we've got to give less attention to certain things, then we do. It's only when we understand the magnitude of, our, of the importance of giving that attention to God do people wake up and say, hey, this is more important to me than anything else I could possibly do throughout the course of this day to give him the glory that is due his name. It doesn't take forever. That's why I try to tell people, if you've got a long way to drive to work, make that automobile a sanctuary mobile. Get in that car, keep that radio off, and just say, Father God, this is my secret place right now. Buckle up. Tell him, tell Jesus to buckle up. Faith is an act, isn't it? Come on, you following me with this? You're not alone in that car. Why? Because you are recognizing the presence of God. And say, Jesus, I said, buckle up. I'm not moving until you buckle up. In other words, play it out. Faith is an act. Act it out. I know you're in this car with me, Lord. Father God, I know your glory is filling this place. Now, not too much because I've got to drive. And I don't want to fall into the power behind the wheel. But you're here with me. I know you are. And I want you to know, by the time I get to work, I am going to give you the glory due your name. This will be my time to give you glory. I'm not petitioning you to do anything for me. All I'm going to do is say, Father God, I bless you. Hallowed be your name. I glorify you. I magnify you. I honor you. Thank you for meeting with me. Thank you for riding with me. Praise God. Let's do it again tomorrow. Let that be a place to you that becomes a sanctuary where you get to know Him, where you get to walk with Him, where you fellowship with Him and worship and praise and say, I'm your true worshiper, Lord. I worship you in spirit and in truth. You know what's going to happen to you? You're going to get so used to getting inside that car habitually every single day, it'll be like, let's go, Jesus. 
You know he's right there. You know he's right there. He's only as real as you make him. Amen. Now, Jesus himself said that worship is to be reserved for God alone. No one else. And you will notice that any time or every time Jesus did a miracle, at least in, in certain cases which would lead us to believe that he already did this in advance, he always first gave thanks to the Father. In Matthew eleven twenty five, just before he talks about, Come unto me, all ye that, are labor, that labor and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. He said, Father, Father, O Father, Lord of all, I'm so glad you've hid these things. I thank thee that thou hast hid these things. I thank you. I thank you. He was always beginning his prayer life with, I thank you. Father, I thank you. Father, I thank you. Before he raised up Lazarus from the dead, he said, Father, I thank you. Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I thank you. In the times I spent with you before in prayer, I thank you that you heard me. In the times that I worshipped you and glorified you throughout the night and the wee hours of the morning, I thank you. I thank you that you heard me. I thank you that you received my worship. I thank you that you received my praise. I thank you that because you heard me, Lazarus is coming out of that grave, out of that tomb, and that rock cannot hold him in, and those grave clothes will not hold him bound. Before he multiplied the loaves and the fishes, he said, Father, I thank thee. Do you see that? He was so accustomed to giving praise and worship and thanksgiving unto his heavenly Father that whenever he had a face crisis situations, he was so cognizant and so aware of the presence of his Father that he said, thank you. It's already done. And that's where that's developed. And that's why prayer becomes easier and faith also becomes easier because you're so aware of the presence of God. Now, praise and worship also gives us access to God's presence. And listen, it brings heaven or heaven's powers earthbound. It brings heaven's powers earthbound. When a person enters in and starts saying, I worship you, I bless you with all my heart and spirit and in truth, that kind of ministry unto the Lord brings heaven's powers earthbound. You'll recall in Second Chronicles chapter 5, just write it down if you want to reference verses 11 through 14, when the trumpeters went out with all the people in the congregation and they lifted up their voice to God and said, You are good and your mercy endures forever, that then the place was filled with the cloud, even the glory of the Lord. They could not stand to minister for my reason of the cloud. In other words, the glory of the Lord, the presence of God, the power of God was brought earthbound and manifested right there among all the people as they lifted up their voices to God in praise and adoration of His holy name. In Second Chronicles uh, chapter 6, verses 12 through 14, you find the same thing happening. The, the Sol Solomon is about to dedicate the temple, praise a uh, dedicatory prayer, and we find out the fire of God falls out of heaven, the power of God falls and fills the place as they give glory and honor unto Him and bless Him for who He is, not just for the things that He does. You find in Second Chronicles chapter 20, you have to read the entire chapter, but what you discover is as they worshiped God, as they sent out the praises and the worshipers to glorify God, to say He's good and your mercy endures forever, Heaven's powers came earthbound. And the power of God was manifested which confounded the enemy and deliverance came to the people of God. When Paul and Silas were in prison, 
They prayed and sang praises unto God. And as they sang praises unto God, heaven's powers were brought earthbound. Everyone's bands were loosed. Everyone was delivered and set free. So there was deliverance. See, the power of God that is unleashed, the power of God is manifested. And you know what, beloved? How that speaks to my heart about the testimony of this woman I shared with you a little bit ago. How as we worship God in this place, heaven's powers were brought earthbound, touched her body, and that baby in her womb was completely made whole by the power and the glory of God because we worship God. See, sometimes people... Beloved, listen to me carefully. I have had people say this. If all they're going to do is worship God, I'm not going. If he's not going to preach, I'm not going to church. My goodness, Lord, help us. As we worship God, you know, you could preach without formally preaching. I can preach to you without having notes, I guarantee it. We want the mind of God. But if that's all we do is worship God at a certain service, during a certain service, I'm going to tell you something right now. That's a good thing to do. And you can see the results are dynamic when people's hearts are sincere toward God. You see, instead of complaining about what we don't have, instead of complaining about our circumstances and situations, what God is saying to us, what Jesus is telling us, in order for people to be effective and successful in their prayer lives, they have got to learn how to recognize God's presence. And the only way to do that is by getting into a secret place where you get alone with God. And if you've got to sit down somewhere in your house, in your living room, and sit right there, and I'm doing this only to illustrate as an example, and you say, okay, phone as far as I'm concerned, I'm unplugging you. Television as far as I'm concerned, I'm turning you off. And all the doors are closed. I'm not answering anything. Any knock at the door or whatever it is. And you're sitting down on your couch and you say, Father, I acknowledge your presence here with me right now as if you were sitting right there. And it's the Bible that says, says to us what? While we look not at things seen, but things unseen. I may not see you, but I know you're here. And I want you to know that I fellowship with you. I'm here to acknowledge your presence in my life. I'm here to praise you and to give you the glory that's due your name. You know, God will honor you in that place. And if you will do that habitually and continually, He'll meet you in that place. He'll make Himself known to you in that place. And you'll get accustomed to that kind of intimacy with Him in such a way that for you not to do it would be unheard of. He's going to become so rude to you in that place that you'll run to that place. And you'll find yourself doing it more than just once throughout the course of a day. You'll realize His presence in such a way that you'll offer praise to Him. But when you do that, all of a sudden, His powers come earthbound. Oh, He floods your soul. He, he ministers life to you in such a way that you've never known before. You see, beloved, we need to begin the habit of giving God the sacrifice of praise daily, continuing every day, habitually, to give Him that honor and glory because He made us for His pleasure. That's the second step toward a successful prayer life and if we will do it, Jesus said, you will be successful in doing the works that I did on the earth. So don't think that you're going to be powerful in times of emergencies unless you first of all bathe yourself in His presence and be an individual that honors Him by glorifying His holy name and giving Him the 
the glory due His name because you owe it to Him. Born out of that, you will have God's powers earthbound manifested in you and through you to help hurting humanity. Let's all stand together before the Lord. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.